The following podcast is a presentation of the PTB Media Network. Benfica lose again in the UEFA Champions League. Three matches, zero points, zero goals scored. A lot of the fans have had it. The white handkerchiefs were out, and this is concerning. However, in the league, Benfica continue one point behind Sporting and advance in the Taça de Portugal. We got three matches to talk about. We're going to spend most of it on one, but it's all coming your way here on episode 174 of Mr. Benfica. I'm the Mr. Mike Agostinho, and this episode starts right now. Benfica Nation, welcome to another episode of Mr. Benfica here on the PTB Media Network. I'm your host, as always, the Mr. Mike Agustinu, and I'm going to ask you real quick to go on over to the X, formerly known as Twitter, and give me a follow. That's at Mike Agustinu. That's at M-I-K-E-A-G-O-S-T-I-N-H-O. And if you go over to my Twitter, you will see... My video analysis from the Champions League match that concluded, you know, yesterday. Sorry, Tuesday. And uh, there you'll you'll see just two instances in the match that I picked. It's a short video, about five minutes. But I'll break down using some video uh, some of the issues that this team is having that I can't always explain verbally on the podcast without, you know, a visual element. So please go over to my Twitter now and check that out. All right, that's at Mike Agustinho. That's M- at M-I-K-E-A-G-O-S-T-I-N-H-O. And also, make sure you follow me on YouTube. Same handle now on YouTube, at M-I-K-E-A-G-O-S-T-I-N-H-O, at Mike Agustin on YouTube and on Twitter. And if you're not using uh, those platforms, but you have Facebook, go ahead and find Mr. Benfica on Facebook. I'm going to start posting there again. I think I'm going to try to restart that Facebook page and see if we can't get some engagement there as well now 
that's out of the way. Let's uh, talk about what we're gonna, what's on tap in this episode, episode one seventy four, Mister Benfica, coming to you from the upper northeast corner of the United States to wherever you are listening in the world, wherever there are English speaking Benficistas, that's where I hope to be. So please share the podcast with your friends. If uh, if you know anybody that likes Benfica that speaks English. Uh, I hope that you will share this with them, and uh, I hope that everybody likes it. But here we go. This is a tough. This is a tough episode to do. Okay, so I'm gonna get a couple things out of the way first. I had said this in the the previous episode, episode 173, dropped earlier this week. Okay, uh, it was a women's team update where I covered, you know, the the journey of the women's team thus far since the last time I talked about them. Okay. I'm so glad I did that episode this week and that I didn't do an episode rehashing all of the old talking points from the Sturil match and from the Lusitania match, okay? I'll get to that tonight, but I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, okay? A lot of repetitive stuff, but I think uh, these three matches as a whole, there's enough there to talk about. Um, Again, glad I got to talk about the women's team. The women's team really is a breath of fresh air in this club. And when things are down, they seem to just, at least for me, keep us up, keep things positive, keep things hopeful. But you know what? They're on an international break right now. And um, the men's team is in the situation it's in. Although I have to stress, I have to stress, just like last season when we were flying, not everything was perfect. A lot of things were a lot of things were covered, if you so to speak. A lot of things were protected thanks to, well, thanks to the ball going in the goal. Let's be honest. Last season was a steamroll in the first six months because the ball was going in the goal. Fast forward 12 months, here we are. The ball is not going in the goal, and there's some reasons why. And again, in that analysis video, I talked about what I think the biggest difference from last season to this season is, and that is the ineffectiveness of the high press. It is not leading to, you know, turnovers in high areas. It's not leading to, you know, what they call in basketball transition points, or it's not a term we use in football, but it's appropriate transition goals when you win the ball high and you move in transition and the other team doesn't have a chance to defend it, okay? The press is not nearly as effective this year. Why are we still pressing? Well, okay, again, a lot of people are critical of the manager. I get it, okay? But what I started this podcast to do and why I get on this microphone when I do, and I had lost sight of this because I I become a fan too and I start to yell into this microphone. And the reason there was no, ep- you know, the reason there was no episode last week, I actually recorded it like I said in one episode 173. I said I had recorded it and I decided not to release it. I decided not to publish it. I didn't like it. I was shouting for over an hour, okay? And to me, when we're talking analytical stuff and we're talking football okay and the mission i had for this podcast when i started it what i wanted to set me aside or set me apart from the other podcasts is that this was never meant to be in my in my um concept of this in the conception of this podcast it was never meant by me to be a fan cast okay there are tons of fantastic fan casts out there please 
give them your give them your ears if that's what you're looking for okay my mission that i set out for myself was to bring a different perspective was to bring the perspective of something i have a little experience in and that is to bring the coaching perspective into the podcast realm in relation to this this club okay i know i i have evolved some say devolved into somewhat of a fan cast also because now i also you know start to talk about other sports start to talk about news items and special topics or whatever but when we're talking about the football teams the men's and the women's football team my goal and my mission was always to keep it about the football to keep it analytical to try to keep it tactical and i've gotten away from that i have gotten away from that and um last week I, it was it was so bad that i didn't even put the episode out i um took the fan base out to the cleaners in that un- unreleased and never-to-be-heard episode, okay? I'm very frustrated with the fan base. I think listeners can tell. I think people who interact with me directly can tell I'm very frustrated. I shouldn't say with the fan base, with a loud minority in the fan base. I cannot right now. <laughs> I could not be on social media this week. Um, and, of course, this Champions League result only compounds it. Because there's a lot of criticism, but very, very little of it out there is constructive. Okay, very, very little constructive criticism. And that is something I, I'm growing very, very impatient of and very, very intolerant of. Uh, so tonight, my goal is to get back on track to what I set out to do with this show, what my intentions always were, and to talk about what's going on on the pitch. That's why I made a short little analy- uh, video analysis uh, video and put it up on my Twitter feed. It's also up on the Mr. Benfica Facebook page. It's up on the Twitch channel. If you've ever found the Mr. Benfica, or sorry, if you've ever found the Park in the Bus Media uh, Twitch channel, I've never even visited it. I just post there. I don't know if anybody looks at it. I have no idea. I don't even know how to use Twitch. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I really should learn that, but at the moment, I don't even know how to use it. But I did put it there, anyways. And um, I just. I'm going to be uploading it to Vimo as well. And through Vimo, I'm going to start posting these videos. I'm going to try to do one of these a week now, a short analytical video. And I'm going to try to put it on the website on www.mrbefica.com going forward. Okay. It's going to be kind of like premium content without the premium charge. I'm not charging for this. I just want people to consume my content. I want people to see my work and I want people hopefully to enjoy it. But if you don't like it and you disagree, I'm cool with that too. Just be respectful is all I ask for. The name calling in this in this club's like I said the loud minority fan of the fan base is just out of control. People can't articulate anything and I I'm growing very very frustrated. I'm watching Roger Schmidt's uh, post-game press conference on YouTube on the club's official YouTube and all anyone has to say in the chat is insults it's vorgonyoso it's it's tash prodido you know you lost sepu the word sepu cepo comes up all the time it's all name calling nobody understands or is is showing that they understand anything about this game i understand that people are angry and that these results don't make anyone happy trust me they don't make me happy either Tuesday was a horrible, horrible day for me. Okay, I didn't enjoy the match. Um, I didn't enjoy much after the match either. I had a hard time with it. I didn't even watch matches yesterday for the most part. Okay, I have I've seen the results, but I don't care how the rivals did. Okay, they can celebrate all they want. I think we're we're too worried about everything else but our own team right now. 
I'm going to choose to focus on our team, put my energy, put my attention towards our team, and I'm going to do my best to come on this microphone and give you my ideas of what's going wrong and my ideas of what maybe can improve it. I'm not going to come on here and insult players. I, I've lost all patience for that. Okay, The name-calling and the just total disrespect that people have for some of the players on this team, I, I don't have time for anymore. Okay. People who have, I'm sorry, but have never played a game of football in their life, real football, at any real level, and they're calling professional players who play at the highest level, many of which played for their country, trash. That's just disrespectful. That's just uneducated, okay? That's what it is, okay? Calling players trash, calling coaches trash is is just childish, and it's, it's as they say in Portuguese, maleducado, uneducated, you know, I know y'all's parents raised you better than that, okay? So, again, I'm not I, I'm not here for that. I got no time for that. And I'm muting people. I'll be honest, I am muting a lot of people. If you want to give suggestions on what you're seeing or if you have questions about why this is happening, now I'm here for that. Let's talk. Let's have conversations. Let's have discussions. Even debates are fine, but there's a way to go about it. And it's not calling people names it's not i don't care that these are professionals that make millions of of euros at least to the perception of most of the fans that they're you know unusually rich and in any in any industry i don't appreciate people calling for anyone to lose their employment lose their livelihood the way this fan base wants to just blow up the team all the time after a few bad results or a few bad performances or a couple bad months is, is just mind-boggling to me. It's I understand people think this is the exigencia of Benfica, the demand of Benfica, but it's it is it's just not productive. Okay, it's not productive. You don't just blow up a business when it's not working. You don't blow up your family when it's not working. You don't blow up your team when it's not working you work on it okay you go back to work each and every day to get better the former coach in me cannot accept just thinking that these players can't play their way out of this slump that the coach can't coach his way out of this yes he his form is matching that of the players on the pitch i acknowledge that however this man has 20 plus years now of experience managing at top levels and the internet guardiolas who have never been on a touchline, the internet guardiolas who have never run a training session, the internet guardiolas who have never gone on a scouting trip, who have never scouted players, who have never looked to recruit people into their team and to see how skill sets may match up, are the ones with the biggest mouths and the fastest fingers tweeting, you know, not 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 tweeting constructive, you know, criticism again, but just nonsense. And Mr. Benfica is done with that. Okay, Mr. Benfica is done with those kinds uh that kind of energy if you will to use a to use a millennial uh terminology. I'm done with that kind of energy and those kind of vibes. All right. The reconstruction starts here and the team goes back to work and they continue to work at it. I believe this team is going to figure this out. It's taking longer than we'd like. Yes, but you have to remember that if you've ever been in a locker room, if you've ever been on a staff at, at a higher level, and again, I full disclosure, I never made it anywhere near 
the level of a first division, okay? I topped out at a at a third division here in the United States, but still, even at that level, there was a lot of ups and downs. And the level to which these players brought it as players, the level of which their skill set, you know, was at, their athleticism was at, was incredibly high. And the internet, the internet commentators, a lot of them have no idea, okay? Now just imagine players good enough to play for Benfica and people who say that these players are not good enough to play for Benfica that's a that's just a cop out cuz you don't know why you're upset you don't know what they lack you don't know what the skill set is some people do so there's some good ones out there some people show you know examples and some people have you know preferences for certain players versus others but if you think that Cockshoe is a bust if you think that you know he was not maybe the most influential player in the victory over Porto. You're not watching football. You're watching where the ball is and only where the ball is. I know when you watch on television, that's all you can see. But you're only, what what our fan base, I think, in Portuguese football in general, because this goes across all of the clubs and this goes to the national team's fan base, so focused on results. We're very results-oriented that we don't really look at the game. We don't really look at the game. And then there's other people who look at the game. When things are good and you're winning and they find so many, you know, they find little things to complain about. We have both extremes in our culture. And, I mean, this culture needs to improve in Portuguese football. There's no question about it. And our club is no different. Um, I have to throw some shade out here. I have to put out a little criticism to the supporters. Once again, a flare ended up being thrown Onto the pitch this time, I believe, at this Champions League match. It will not shock me if if UEFA make us play a game behind closed doors. We, we, we do not learn our lesson. Who are these fans doing this? What are they trying to prove? You're unhappy with the team, so you throw a flare and you make it so that the team has further difficulties in bigger matches. It's hard enough, okay? It is difficult enough. Our rivals work hard enough to destabilize the team. We don't need our own fans. Our own fans. Our own fans who, mind you, are out the door in the 75th minute. And that's where I get pissed off. That's where my voice gets raised. Because I have no patience for that. I have no patience for that. I don't care how good of a fan you think you are. I don't care how far you drove. I don't care how much you paid. You paid to go to an entire match. If you're not going to be there for the entire 90 minutes and you're not going to be behind the team, say what you want after the match. I get it. I don't see much point in the giant, you know, again, the hurling of insults and the whistling at the end. Um, I don't think that is productive in any way, shape, or form. But a lot of people like it. a lot of fans like to be miserable. It's it's clear they're unhappy when the team does well in there, or they're unhappy when the team is doing anything but perfect, and they love to complain. They love to be unhappy, which tells me you're not there for the football. You're there for the results. If that's your thing, that's your thing. Again, you purchased your ticket. You have the right to do what you want, but honestly... Don't call yourself a fan if you're leaving in the 75th minute. I don't care what the score is. I don't care what the score is. Don't call yourself a a supporter at that point. You're just a, a neutral if you're leaving at that time. You're just there for entertainment like people watch a television program or go to the movies. If you're going to say that you bleed this club, that you breathe this club, that you eat, sleep this club, 
You'll be there for all 90-plus minutes until the final whistle. I don't care if it's a weeknight. You know what? I'm done with this this uh, part in the, the language, this half-ass fan base or this half-ass fandom. But then you go to the internet and run your mouth, okay? This team was beaten on, on Tuesday in every phase of the game. And, I mean, they were beaten on the pitch. The players were beaten. They were beaten on the sidelines by the manager. You know, the manager lost... Every the one-on-one matchup across the board was a clean sweep. If this was a boxing match, it's a it is a sweep, <laughs> a twelve-round sweep for Real Sociedad. They won all twelve rounds. They won in in goalkeeping. They won in defending. They won in possession. They won in chances created. They won in coaching. They won in fandom. Their fans kicked our fans' asses in the stands. Okay, it's time to acknowledge that we are not perfect fans. We are nowhere near the best fans in the world right now. And I'm going back down that road I went last week, so I'm going to leave it at that. Okay, let's talk quickly about the two previous matches before I get into this Champions League match. I'm already going almost 20 minutes, and that was not my my goal. But we'll start back on round, what was it, round 7, I think. For Benfica uh, against Isturil. I'm going to pull that up right now. Let's talk about it for a moment. Yes, it was a bad game, but bad games happen. Okay, bad games happen. Bad games have happened to both of the teams, you know, the other two candidates. They've happened to the third candidate. Doesn't matter which one of our rivals or, to, or our competitors for the title, if you don't want to say rivals. Um, doesn't matter which one you're talking about. We've all had bad games this season. We've all won late. We've all won in stoppage time. And this was Benfica's turn to do it. And Antonio Silva came up huge in this one. I'm going to quickly run down the lineup here. This was at the at the uh, Stadio. What's this, what's it called? The Stadio Antonio Coimbra de Mota in beautiful Istoril. Uh Andre Narcisu was the referee for this one. And uh, the lineup, starting with Istoril, they had Carnet in goal. They played with the back three. Once again, our difficulties in playing against the back three, uh, they just continue. We haven't figured this out. I think it's mostly to do because we play with a lone striker, to be honest with you. I think it could be remedied if we could get more players in the uh, you know in support. In between those back three. But again, when you play against an Istoril, it's a back three on paper. It's a back five in reality, which makes it a little bit more difficult. And if there's one thing two goal teams can do well, from top to bottom, okay, from whatever, from Vitoria Guimarães all the way down to last place, in this case, Istoril, is they can sink in deep. They can, they can get stuck in. They can bunker down, and they can cut out the passing lanes, and they can hold for a long time without surrendering a goal. They're back three. Vital, Voline, and Alvaru with the wingbacks on the right. It was Rodrigo Gomes, and on the left, it is our on-loan player. If I'm not mistaken, it was on-loan. I don't believe it's a, it's a permanent move. Or was it? It was a permanent move, excuse me. Our former player, Tiago Araujo, I'm assuming it's a permanent move with some sort of buyback. Uh, he, he got the start here. And then the double pivot in midfield, Fernandes and Coindre, Coindredi with the three attackers in front of him. Cassiano 
uh, in the center, Eri Tervarj, another one of our former players on the left. And on the right, it's the Frenchman Rafik Guitagne, 24-year-old French attacker. Benfica start with another 4-2-3-1. And Roger Schmidt still looking for his 11. And again, this I have to point to. Last season when we were winning match after match after match, people found something to complain about. They said it's always the same 11. There's no rotation. Blah, 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 blah. When we won, you know, when we were on a decent run of form earlier this season, it's always the same one, blah, blah, blah. Roger begins to rotate the squad, and people don't like the rotations. People just like to complain for the sake of complaining. But he, some of these are forced, obviously, due to injuries. And, yeah, he's still looking for his 11. It's quite evident. And sometimes this is what happens. New players don't quite fit the way that they should. People want the manager to pay for it with his job. They've got the white handkerchiefs out. Man, I hope you never get sacked from your job for for something along that line. I know me, I have hired some people that were absolutely a casting error. I'm glad I didn't pay for my job because I hired people and gave a chance to people who couldn't live up to it and who couldn't uh, do the job. However... Here's our enough of that. Let's get to our 11 in this one. Thrubin in goal. Auschwitz moves from left back to right back after Ba goes out with an injury. Otamendi and Antonio Silva are the center backs. Jurasek returns to the lineup in this one, plays as a left back. Double pivot in midfield for this one was Florentino Luis and Chiquinho. Had the internet on fire, had people pissed off. I get it. Everyone wants Dronevs to play every minute of every match. I, I know what it is. It's Shikinu that triggers everybody. But we've heard from players like Zronhevs how important Shikinu is in the character of this team, how important he is in the locker room. And people that never played and never coached at a high level don't understand that sometimes, that there are players in the team whose role is not necessarily to be the best player on the pitch, to make the best passes, to, to score goals. They have other roles. But those guys have to play. And this I got into an argument with my father about this game. So much so that I almost <laughs> I almost left his house. I mean, first of all, I get in there and my son is dragging his feet getting out the door. I'm trying to get to my dad's house in time to watch this game from start. My son drags his feet. He's doing something. He's building something with his Legos. I don't remember what he was doing. I get there, I think it's 30 minutes in, and the old man had already changed the channel. I got pissed off immediately. Already changed the channel. So that set a, her a horrible mood. And then we just argued throughout the rest of the game about the team. Um, I know Shikinu completely triggers people. But my point is these guys have to play at some point. And if, you know, going into an international break after a, two tough games in a row, remember. Okay. We look back and there were two tough games behind this one. And um, I'm going to pull up the match to make sure they're the two that I thought they were. But yeah, Inter and Porto were the two games right before this on the same week. And letting some players go to international duty a day early on paper makes sense. People don't like it. I know they don't like it. But depending how far they have to travel, how much they're going to play in their national team makes sense. Um the, the three attacking midfielders in front of the double pivot. Uh, David Nerj gets a start like everyone wants. And like we saw sometimes last season when he got a start, 
for me, he was very disappointing in this match. A big drop-off from Di Maria to Nerj in this match. Rafa starts in the 10. Everyone's mad at him right now. João Mario starts on the uh, left-sided midfield. Everyone is mad at him as well. Again, any kind of you want rotation, then you get it. You don't like it. It's uh, I don't know. I don't know what people want. Honestly, Tinkshek gets a rare start uh, as the striker. Again, he has to play. He has to be given an opportunity. You can't just write a player off without giving him the opportunity. Okay, and if not in this match, then win. I know people said against Lusitania, sure. I think Roger was trying to use this match to give some rhythm to some players so they could play a couple games in a row and give themselves an opportunity. Because, again, you had guys leaving for international duty. Some of them were going to play a lot of minutes for their national team, and they were going to be back late and have very little preparation for the match with Lusitania. Uh, those were the 11 on the bench, uh, noticeable, noticeably missing from the bench. Uh, was Kokshu. I don't know if he left to play for Turkey. Honestly, I, I totally disconnected from the game during the international break. I didn't follow any football during that international break, to be honest with you. I know Portugal qualified, and they're all excited. Um, right now, I am totally not into international football. I'm sure that'll change when the when the tournament comes around uh, this summer, when the, the major you know summer tournaments come around. But at this point, I took this as an opportunity to just disconnect from football for a little while, especially with how frustrating this match was. Mefica didn't play well. What do you want me to tell you? Uh, I can read you stats. It doesn't tell a story. Uh, Mefica had a 2.75 XG. On paper, that sounds good. Uh, they should they should have won this game much, much easier with much less stress. They didn't. So uh, it took all the way to the 90th plus 3. But... Again, Musa coming off the bench. He was big. And Musa off the bench is a good tool for Benfica. Musa starting in the 11 is not a great tool for Benfica. Is he the best one right now? Probably. Are you getting the best out of him by starting him? No, you're not. Okay. Sometimes coaches have to think about this. And sometimes you have to leave yourself options off the bench. And that was another reason I think some of the changes you saw in this match went down also. Uh, was because, you know, you needed to leave yourself some options in case this match got a little tricky, which it did. But the ball was whipped in. Again, Musa gets a header, heads it across the face of goal, leaves it for uh, Antonio Silva, and Silva scores, kisses the eagle on his jersey, a big goal for the for the teenager. Um, a goal that could be invaluable at the end of the season. Let's see at the end of the season how things finish. And let's think if we don't have to think back to this match at Istriel in the 90th plus three. Listen, we have again, I don't want to focus on the other teams because there's enough to look at in our own team. I don't even recommend watching the other teams right now. It, it, it's just too infuriating. Okay. We got too much in our own team to worry about. And really, that's where my bandwidth <laughs> expires. Um, but we found a way to get three points. Championship teams win when they play bad. That is the key to winning the league. We're only one point behind Sporting at this time, okay? We're going to we're gonna get out of this slump. I'm fully confident that we're going to get out of this slump. The thing is, when it's Befica and you get in a slump, it is that much harder to get out of it because you have a fan base with no patience. You have a media always trying to destabilize you. You have rivals using their allies in the media to try to destabilize you. And some of the 
our biggest enemies are our own are in our own house. Okay, they're our own fans, our own sausages. I'm sorry they they run with these things. They they spend their whole time, their free time that they could be doing anything. They use it to to say things, to 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 throw insults, to criticize things that don't need to be criticized instead of focusing on what can actually what actually is in our control and what this team needs to do right now is focus 100% on what they can control. They can't control how Porto and Sporting do in the league. They can't control what the referees are going to do. Okay, and what they're going to call. They have to focus on what they can control. The biggest thing got to cut back on the unforced errors. There's so many unforced errors right now. The other thing, got to get better scoring opportunities. With a 2.75 XG, that tells you they should have scored, you know, at least two goals, and it shouldn't have been so late in the match. Work on finishing. That's something you can control, okay? Why is João Mario playing so poorly this year? It's very simple to me. One, he lost his, the team plays differently, okay? The biggest difference in this team to last team is a structural difference. Okay, last year the team was very, very balanced. What do I mean by that? Well, the team played the similar formation, but there were different roles. This year there's some unclarity because of the players that we're using this year versus what we used last year. Okay, we don't have a true double pivot. That's the first problem. Um, Tino's not playing for some reason, and for me, that's a big problem. Okay, if I that's one of my biggest criticisms on Roger Schmidt is not playing Tino. I, I've seen you know people talk and, and give examples of everything that Tino does wrong on the pitch. That's fine. What he does right is he plays that sixth position that in this system is imperative. Playing with this attempt at a double six and a half isn't working. Joe Nevsh can work all he wants, Johnny Snows. He can work all he wants. You know what? There's still a gaping hole there where Florentino normally operates. There is no there is nobody better without the ball than him in this team. Okay. And I think that's where his value is, is without the ball. We look and focus on what he does with the ball and use it as justification to keep him out. But in this system, with this manager, what I my only guess, okay, my only my only guess is that he's not playing well in training. That is the only logical reason I can come to why he's he's gone from untouchable in this lineup just the you know last season to an afterthought this season. He's not combining well with his teammates perhaps. He did see a drop when Enzo left. Okay, let's be fair. Enzo made Tino better. And Tino, in my opinion, made Enzo better because Chelsea hasn't seen the Enzo we saw. Okay, they haven't seen him yet. Not to that level. Okay, I think that, that Tino has a lot to do with that. And I think that Tino and Dronevs could do that. I've said it before. I'm going to say it right now, but it's probably not going to happen. The midfield, for me is a midfield three, is is the adjustment that needs to be made. Nevsh and Tino, okay, with Kokshu playing in the number 10 where Rafa currently plays, especially with the form Rafa is in. I'm waiting for, for Roger to do that, okay? There's reasons he might not do it. But again, the biggest difference from this year to last year, aside from Tino, okay, is the wide play. Okay, last year, that attacking midfield three did not feature wingers. It was usually Rafa, João Mario and Auschnus. Okay. Nerj came off the bench many times. Okay. And Nerj comes off the bench because Nerj changes the way that midfield three looks, and the other teams always struggled to adapt. Uh, 
when Nev- when when Nedj starts, he he plays as a winger. Last year, okay, the three attacking mids, the outside of the of that attacking three, or a midfield three, Shromadiu and Auschnitz most of the time played much more tucked in. They played in the right center channel and the left center channel, leaving the flank for the wing backs. Yes, we had Grimaldo, incredible player, and we're seeing how much we miss him. But Yudasek, Bernat, whoever's playing wide on the left is not getting that same opportunity because they're running into someone else's space. Whoever's Ba on the right has now got Di Maria in front of him or he's got Neres in front of him, and they like to play in that on that flank. Now you got two guys opening wide, and you're you're leaving holes behind. Okay, you're imbalanced. This is what we mean when we say in Portuguese, the word is equilibrio, okay? The equilibrium or balance, okay? We lose that balance now because we have too many wide-minded players who like to start wide. Yes, now the wingbacks are trying to tuck in and play in the center channel, and guess what? That's not really in their skill set. That's not really where they're at their best. You have four players for two, I'm not saying two positions, but two lanes on the field. And they both want to use it. They they all play better in that lane. And you can't have them all there. And that leaves holes all over the place. And that leaves João Neves running like crazy in the sixth position. Which he, you know, I know I've heard from people close to it that the idea is to mold him into a six, into a mobile six, into a Rodri. If that's the case, that's going to take time. And I get it, and and I'm here for that. If that's the case, if that's the long, I'm I'm all for long-term projects. Most fans are not. Most fans don't believe Benfica have the 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 word is luxury that gets used to take on projects. I think it's the other way around. I think Benfica have enough quality to win the league while taking on projects. Maybe not to win it pretty, but I think over the course of 34 weeks, 34 matches, if we keep our heads. And if the team plays to its capabilities, and I'm not even saying like, you know, what we saw last year. They don't have to play that well to win the league, okay? They had one little slip up and it got a little nervy, but there was a lot of other things going on, okay? In normal circumstances, that legal title last season would have been won much earlier, okay? It was just the timing of the slip up. This year, the slip up, in my estimation, is happening right now. Which tells me there's a good possibility we can play our way out of it and we can make a great run going into the winter months now, going, you know, into the last two months of the year and really hit stride. Okay. And maybe, you know, we've got a big match coming up. Okay. We've got three mat. The next three matches are enormous in the league. And Benfica need to be ready to get the job done. It doesn't have to be pretty right now, but they have to get the results, okay? And they also need to improve from one match to another so that you can see that progression. You can see that wave building up and building up and building up. And finally, at some point, that wave is going to crest and this team is going to start to play some real football to play to its capabilities. The Champions League's not helping right now, okay? The Champions League's not helping right now because we are in a group that is incredibly difficult because we are in a group with teams that are very bad matchups for our game. I'll get to that in just a minute. Let's close it out now. 
let's let's hit real quickly on the Tasa match here. Okay, Benfica traveling to the to the Açores, traveling to the beautiful island of Terceira, to Angra do Heroísmo, Estádio João Paulo II, and they're playing Lusitania dos Açores. Okay, fourth division side, and we have seen these matches be difficult in the in the past. Last season, they went to to my ancestral hometown. They took on the team whose jersey sits behind me right next to the Benfica jersey. They took on Kaulish. It went all the way to penalty kicks, okay? We forget that. Last season was a, a steamroll, but we ran into a bump in round three of the, of the Portuguese Cup against an amateur team. Again, we face an amateur team. And this time, there is not the road bump because Benfica do what Benfica needs and relies so heavily on, and that is to score early. Ninth minute, João Mario scores, okay? 35th minute, Rafa scores. So even when a penalty is conceded by Auschwitz, and maybe if I don't run out of time, I'll talk about Auschwitz, but I'll probably run out of time looking at how long I've already gone and we haven't even gotten into the Champions League, but um, Auschwitz concedes a penalty. Needless to say, it's a mistake. Auschwitz is just playing too many different positions. If you ask me, Auschwitz needs a reset, not a long one, a week or two, out of the 11, training, focusing on getting back to what is his game, what is his position. Okay, I really would go anywhere else right now um, at right back. Hell, I would I would make amends with João Victor at this point and be like, listen, we've got injuries. You got a second chance. Prove to me I'm wrong. I was wrong. That's what I would do if I was Roger Schmidt. Prove to me I was wrong. I'm putting you out there. Go play right back. I know it's not your position, but go do it. Here's your opportunity. Prove to me you're a professional and that you have a place in this team. Artur Cabral finally gets his goal in the 67th minute. He gets one. Um, again, another player that's just been the recipient of abuse for something that's not his fault. Okay, if this is a casting error, it's not his fault. Okay, we can address that. We can talk about that, but to, to treat the player the way he's being treated by this fan base, just uh, not acceptable in my in my opinion. And then Tiago Gouveia comes off the bench, and this was as, as tough a week as it was for Benfica. This was a phenomenal week for Tiago Gouveia. He scores his first uh, first team goal in the 87th minute. Benfica win uh, 4-1 in the rain, in the pouring rain. Shout out to my friend Rob at Legacy Football. He was in the house for this match. Uh, he sent some cool pictures. Um, really, really great day for Benfica's in Terceira to get to see their team for the first time. And I don't know, I forgot how many years they said it's been since Benfica have gone and played on the island. Benfica advanced to round four. I'll talk about the draw when I drop the next Liga 3 English episode, probably tomorrow, okay, where I'll recap last weekend's cup uh, action and I'll, I'll give you the, the fixture list for round four. Okay, let's get to the Champions League. But first, I'm going to take a quick little break. All right, uh, again, Go and follow me on Twitter if you haven't already. Check out the video that's that I just put up at Mike Agustino at M I K E A G O S T I N H O. Follow the show as well if you want to at Benfica Mister. Uh, go over to Facebook.com forward slash Mister Benfica and like the the Facebook page. I'm going to start to use it some more. I'm going to try to start to use it. And um, again, I'm going to post maybe some more video content there as well, as well as on www.mrbefica.com. All right, quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk Champions League. Um, and uh, we'll wrap up this episode at some point very, very soon. All right, this is the Mr. Benfica. I will be right back. 
episode 174 of Mr. Benfica. All right, let's get into it. You hear the music, and listen, I uh, I fixed something. Uh, in the last episode, I also said you hear that music. It was supposed to be the Women's Champions League anthem, and it was so low that nobody heard it. Uh, so I made a correction here uh, with some of the software I use. I made a better edit here. So now I am sure you are hearing the UEFA Champions League anthem. And uh, let's enjoy it while it lasts, because I don't think this anthem is going to be playing on this show for much longer. But uh, let, let's be real here. Befica beaten, not just beaten, I mean, the, the result is generous, because Befica were played off the park once again. And uh, the truth is, this is a very, very difficult matchup for Befica. Playing a Real Sociedad, I was worried about when the draw came out. This was the team I was worried about. It wasn't Inter. I know Benfica. Inter's a tough matchup because of the, you know, all of the reasons we talked about last season. And they're even better this season than they were last. But this matchup scared me because, well, first of all, Benfica has a horrible record uh, by and large against Spanish opposition. If you go back and see the history of it. I know we had those good results with Barcelona a couple seasons ago. But that was a different Barcelona. And uh, this is... You know, this is a very, very good Real Sociedad. Maybe the players, the names of these players don't jump off the page. But uh, as far as as a team, as a unit, as a collective, much, much further along than Benfica is. Okay, um, They have built quite, quite a squad here. And they have some players that are just phenomenal. You know, Zubi Mendy, uh, Brais Mendez, 
Orzabal, all phenomenal player. Baran, Baran Tesha, I can never say his name and I feel bad not being able to say his name because my best friend, my, my the best man at my wedding, that's his wife's last name. His wife's last name is, is that and I can't say it. <laughs> Baranesia. And on the video that I released, I butchered it and I apologize, but what a phenomenal player. I cannot speak Basque. I'm sorry. I studied Spanish. I didn't study Basque. And that name is, is quite difficult to, uh, to pronounce. But anyhow, uh, this, was, this was a massacre in a lot of ways. Uh, Benfica's press was the biggest problem. And I broke that down in the video. So I do hope you go to my Twitter page and check it out. And uh, I'll, I'll probably include a link in the show notes for you to see it. Uh, just too easy for this team to pass through our our press, and a lack of adjustment from the manager, of course, and from the, from the the entire staff. Um, I really think what's happening here to the to the staff to the manager is their entire philosophy is being put to the test right now because the way they always thought they could play is not working. And this this happens to managers. This happens in in football management. This happens when player personnel changes. It's not to say they can't go back to playing the way they did there, but there is a time frame and a learning curve. And I know fans hate this, but there is real uh, an adjustment period is a real thing. And Befica are showing growing pains right now, struggling to replace Grimaldo. Most of all, struggling to replace Gonzalo Ramos because he was such a key part of this team last year and of this press but not just him I give him most of the credit because he's the first defender you know he's the one that applies the first pressure that then you know it's like a chain of dominoes puts the next player under pressure puts the next one under pressure but we're also missing you know the type of of pressing we got from Auschwitz last season uh playing in his normal position the type of pressing we got from João Mario he was very helpful Rafa was crucial in the press but what's happening is the first guy, whether it's Musa, whether it's Tankstead, whether it's Arthur Cabral, are not getting there. They're not that type of player. And that first pass, you know, the first player to receive that ball from the goalkeeper or from the center back, that first square ball, the player that receives that is getting too much time because our striker is just not able to align that first pressure. And what it puts is every other player is left in limbo wondering, should I step, should I stay? And far too often what's happening is they're being caught in between. They're doing neither. And that's even worse. Worse than neither. Okay. And in match, here's there's a reoccurring theme in these losses. And it goes back to the Chavez match last season. When Befica start to press forward, and not I don't mean defensive, I don't mean applying pressure, but I mean when they start to push forward and when they start to look for that goal against better competition, against competition that um, can't break down their press against competition that can keep the ball from them they get exposed they leave holes they leave passing lanes and suddenly you know our defensive deficiencies are on full display for everybody to see last year we were they were there last year trust me they were there we were just able to hide them under that press it never there were very few times we had to defend one versus one okay on this goal, I broke it down, and it's har- Ba is hardly the only player to blame for it. Okay, one of our favorite sons is is there and has 
makes a crucial error that also opens the passing lane for the goal. Let's talk about the 11 first from each team, okay? Uh, for uh, Real Sociedad, you have Ramiro in goal. Um, Alex Ramiro, 28-year-old Spaniard. Another another Basque name there that's uh, difficult can be difficult to pronounce. Hamari Traore, the Malian international, 31 years old, is the right back. The center back pairing Igor Zublidia partnering with Robin Lenormand. And the left back is Ihan Munoz. Three, a 4-3-3 here. We haven't seen a lot of these, but man, what a good example of a 4-3-3. Anchoring in the hole is Martin Zubimendi, fantastic, fantastic player, 24-year-old central midfielder. To his right, Brais Mendez, the 26-year-old Spaniard. And to his left, the 27-year-old Mikel Merino, Merino excuse me, uh, playing behind the attacking three. That is just deadly. This attacking three tore us to pieces. Okay, the striker is the Spanish international Mikel Oyarzabal. 26-year-old to his right, to his left first is Ander Barantesha. Again, the name that my my mouth does not my my vocal cords and my mouth, my tongue does not want to pronounce correctly. Barantesha. Uh Baranesia maybe is how they say it. Okay. Uh 21-year-old again. Just uh he was the key guy in the goal. He is the guy that that made it happen. And on the other side, maybe my favorite player in this match, uh, I thought this guy was just awesome. Take Kubo, the Japanese international, 22 years old. Man, was he just phenomenal in this match. Just absolutely taking Eurosec and Bernat to the shredder all, all match long. The ball seemed glued to his foot. Just no mistakes from Real Sociedad. I was really, really... I mean, I've been impressed with them in the other matches, and I was really impressed with them in this one. For Benfica, Trubin in goal. Okay, back four. Ba returns from injury. Uh, he starts as the right back. Uh, Antonio Silva returns from suspension, and he partners with Otamendi, while Jurasek gets the call at left back. The double pivot in this one. Now, I'm starting to also see there's an issue here with a constant change in which to... Line up in this double pivot, okay? Uh, this time it's Dronevj and Frederick Auschnes. And I think in the, of all the places he plays, last season we talked a lot about how this wasn't really where you get the best out of Auschnes. Starting as the right and left back was more out of necessity. There was no necessity for him to play in this position here. This, for me, should have been Tino and, and Nevsh, okay? Allowing Nevsh to do more of the box-to-box work. And Auschwitz should have started in the place of João Mario, you know, down on, on the, where he played last year on the left side of the of the midfield three. But instead, he starts in the double pivot. So the attacking midfield three is is Rafa in the center, Neres to the right, and João Mario to the left. Again, João Mario's confidence is, is rock bottom right now. And, um, well... The Jomari we saw last season, I, my theory is a lot of it had to do with the fact that he converted so many penalties and he scored goals in so many games that it's really brought his confidence up and it made him that much better of a player. He was he was instrumental for much of the season last year, this year really having a hard time getting out of the starting blocks. And uh, the entire team just not, you know, they're, they're 
being forced to do different things differently because they're a different team. They can't, or they can't, they haven't pressed with the same success, with the same efficiency and same effectiveness. And I think that has taken away from all the other things that they were doing. And, and Jomadi's ability to, to, to play those key passes and to keep the ball safe, he's lost it this season. Um, playing under more pressure, probably because, first of all, we're not winning the ball in spots where we have numerical advantages like we were last year. Instead, we're, we're having to build up play. And even last year, we had trouble when that when teams left us to build up the play. So uh, those are just some explanations of why there's the struggles, okay? I know people want to say it's because he's not good enough to play for Benfica. Well, he was good enough last season. Uh, you can that, that comment that he's not a player for Benfica, that is fully 100% an opinion. And it's based 100% on an eye test. And I just don't trust people's eyes. I'm sorry. The eye test comes down to your personal preferences and to your opinions. And João Mario has proven in the time he's been here that he has been very serviceable. And at times, he's been very good. So, again, a li- it, it takes sometimes just one good match to play your way out of these slumps and to regain some of that confidence. And Nerej also has had a drop in confidence ever since he started starting. And, again, I'm these are, these are the reasons Nerej... His career, if you follow his trajectory, went from Ajax to Shakhtar to Benfica, okay? And Benfica were lucky to get him. And I don't want to say lucky because it's a horrible situation in the Ukraine, obviously. Um, but that situation is the only reason Nerej ends up at Benfica because of what his market value was. But he had already taken a step down going from Ajax to Shakhtar. And it's, it's becoming evident that... His downside is his lack of consistency. There are games where he is the guy, where he makes all the difference in the world, where he is the reason that the team... He has he single-handedly delivered points for this team in his time here. So I'm not saying that he's not capable of that. I'm not saying that he's not a great player at times, but he's inconsistent and he's irregular. And right now we're seeing a dip in him. We're seeing a dip from Rafa. And that's why I think a healthy Kokshu, who came on in the second half here, I wish he had started, um, but I understand he, he's not healthy uh, enough. He's not fit enough, I should say, to play 90 minutes at the moment. I think it's time to see him play at the position that got him the Eredivisie Player of the Year last year. Okay, And the striker in this one is Musa. You can't really complain with that, that decision. He's been the most consistent of the strikers, but still... Nowhere near the level of player he is as a substitute when he starts. And that's concerning. Okay, so let, let's go into this match a little bit. Okay, from the beginning, it is a clinic by Real Sociedad. However, 10 minutes in, um, a moment of brilliance from Benfica. Rafa showing what Rafa can do. And Rafa puts a, a phenomenal, just exquisite touch, perfect ball into the run of... Petar Musa, and Petar Musa gets on the end of it and puts it in the back of the net. I popped for this. I thought we had taken the lead, and I said, "Yes, today's the day we turn this around." Because it only this is the type of match that can completely change a season when you go in there and you get that result. And I think Benfica, when they score first, it doesn't matter who they play; they are that they are a much better team. They are much closer to the team we saw last season 
than they are to the team we're seeing now when they score early and score first and they settle in. However, Rafa apparently offside by the slimmest of margins. I'm not pleased with the replays they show, to be honest with you. But you have the automated offside call in in the UEFA Champions League. So, I mean, if that if you can't trust that, you can't trust anything. And that goal coming off the board really deflated Benfica. It really deflated Benfica, and it deflated their their. When you're a team that's struggling to score goals like they are right now, having one taken off like that that you thought you had scored is demoralizing. And this team is is, is having a, a confidence issue right now, a morale issue. I think that the team is united. I don't think there's problems in the locker room. Some people think there is. I don't see that. I see this team being very united. I think they they've got each other's back right now, and they're trying to pull each other out of this out of this slump. And I do think they have full confidence in the manager. A lot of people don't think that either. But they're having issues in execution. They're having issues in execution more than anything else. Unforced errors. Yaushnitz had one in this half that nearly ended up in the back of the goal. Uh, Kubo again got on the end of it, but he put it just wide at the near post. But these are execution errors. These are not lack of effort errors. Okay, the effort's not the same, but it's a tired team, and people don't want to hear that. But they are humans, and they're you know we've been playing twice a week all season. Okay, they just went they they traveled to the islands, they traveled to their national teams. Okay, yes, they travel in the best conditions, yes, but their routines are disturbed. Okay, whether it's eating routines, whether it's sleeping routines, all this. Affects a high performance athlete, and these are all high performance athletes. They play at obviously a very high level, and the slightest changes in routines can affect the players. And when things are, these things don't come up when things are good. Okay, that's the that's the thing. When things aren't good, every little thing seems to just weigh on you that much more. I think there's there there's a psychological uh, effect as well right now in this team. They that's why the confidence is low, the belief is is low. Um, they're down. They and you would think that they're not just one point out of first place. And hopefully they they really need to smash <laughs> Kazapia this weekend and, and maybe get out of this funk. But yeah, I'm just gonna fast forward here. I mean, I, this is—I don't want to talk too much longer about this game because everybody saw it, and it's been said. It, the The podcasts have been coming out all week. Personally, this game had me down. I didn't want to hear any podcasts. I didn't want to watch. I didn't watch any post game coverage. I didn't watch any other game matches. I tuned in last night for the MLS playoffs because I, I have a particular interest in that league. Didn't really enjoy it, and I normally do. Because I have, you know, I, 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 it's a league I enjoy watching just because it's the league in the country I live in. And um, it, it's a playoff format that I find it, it's not the way titles are normally won in this sport. But it is something I find interesting. I even watched the Celtics last night. I had a hard time getting into that. Okay. I had a hard time getting into the Celtics and the Knicks last night. This game really put me down a little bit. I, I've I've been reading books. I've been uh, watching history uh, documentaries when I'm not working. It's been a tough 48 hours for me, honestly. And uh, my wife even says, "How do you let a, fo- a team of 
people you've never met have such an effect on your your personal day-to-day you know productivity your personal day-to-day mood and i said i don't know this is just this is who i am this is what i am this is how i am and uh i'm not in the mood really to break down too much more of this i I put what i i have my my views but a lot of times people don't want to hear them and um that's why i just i made a little video but the passing by real sociedad was just sublime in this match Yes, there was an element of Benfica making it easy for them, but we also need to acknowledge sometimes, and in our footballing culture, in our Portuguese footballing culture particularly, little respect is given to to the opponents, unless it's Real Madrid, unless it's Barcelona, Bayern Munich, any team in the Premier League, we put them up on a pedestal like they're untouchable. Um, it When it's those teams, we, we, we look at it so much differently. We're so much more rational. We look at Real Sociedad, last year's fourth team in the Spanish League. We look at them like they are Vitoria Guimarães. And that's not an accurate depiction. And no disrespect to Vitoria Guimarães either. Okay? But we look at them like that's, you know, fourth or, or Sporting Braga. And we shouldn't look at that because Sporting Braga had themselves a hell of a match this week. Um, Sporting Braga took Real Madrid to the limit. So uh, nothing but respect for Sporting Braga right now. But Real Sociedad are not Sporting Braga. Okay, they are not Sporting Braga. They are on par. Man for man, they're better than Porto. Man for man, they're better than Sporting. Man for man, they're better than us right now. And maybe they're better than us, period. I would love that. I would love Kubo on our team right now. I would love... uh, Zubi Mendy in our midfield. I would love, you know, uh, Oyarzabal as our striker. We don't, we don't have players in those key positions like that. Man, oh, it, 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 it's time for us to wake up. This club and this fan base, these players and these coaches, the board, everybody needs a reality check. And I think we're getting that right now. We thought too highly of ourselves last season. Everything went perfect last season, okay, aside from that 10-day span there where where we thought we were on the Titanic and half of the fans fell off the boat. And then at the end, we're like, hey, don't forget about us when, when, when you know, the boat came into shore. They were still swimming behind saying, hey, hey, come back. But this Real Sociedad team can play football. They can play football. And if you can't recognize that, well, you should take up something else. Honestly, you're not a football fan if you can't recognize that. Should our team be better? Absolutely. Should our team be should our team be at the halfway point of the group stage? The last ever group stage of the Champions League, mind you. If you think this is tough, it's gonna get so much tougher starting next year for Benfica to get out of out of what they're gonna call the league phase. It's going to get so much tougher because of the way that the draw or or the format of the tournament is going to work. This is a really possibly a final opportunity. It's I think it's been squandered now. Um, I don't see us getting out of the group. I really don't see anybody catching either either Into or Real Sociedad. And to be perfectly honest with you, these are the two I would have picked at the beginning of the season to advance. I was nervous. I saw other people thinking we were going to win the group. And, and, I mean, slow down. We needed this reality check. We are not Inter Milan, okay? We are a great club, but we are not a great team. We are a good Portuguese team. 
This needs to be specified. We're better than we're showing. Okay, zero goals at in 270 plus Champions League minutes is unacceptable, no matter who is in the group. That said, the group is playing out more or less the way I thought it would, with the exception of the fact that we we lost at home to to Salzburg. But that's also a good team. If if you only watch the Premier League, like too many fans only watch the Premier League, you'd think that Salzburg are not a good team. If you haven't watched the Europa League and the Conference League in the past few years, you you haven't seen that they have ability and they're bringing young players through. They always have young players coming through and there's always the possibility that they can do what they did to us in that match day one, not to mention we played over 80 minutes with, with 10 players. We put ourselves in a bad position that night. And the games have only gotten tougher since, and they're only going to continue to get tougher since. Um, they will continue to get tougher going forward, I should say. Uh, let, let's fast forward to it then. Let's fast forward uh, to the goal, why don't we? Uh, we're going to go to the second half. Here's what it sounded like on CBS Sports here in the United States of America. Bryce Mendes in all kinds of space. There's about peeling off. It's with Merino. Baranestea, angle tight, and finally it's forced home for Real Sociedad. Bryce Mendes arriving right on cue to grab his third goal in the Champions League this season already. So it's Bryce Mendes with the goal and uh, most of the work done by Ander Baranesia. <laughs> um, but uh, as I posted on a video that I might, I may add, I just got notified was already flagged on youtube for copyright uh for copyright uh violations which is just great can't can't share anything i'm not making any money off it i don't whatever but anyway anyhow um a big part of this again by yes at you know he gets beat but antonio silva makes a deadly error by by trying to help uh inside i think i said in the video that he was that uh, Baranesia was going to put it on his left. I meant his right. He was going to cut in onto his right uh, is what Antonio Silva thought, and he was there to block the shot, except Baraneja went the other way, and that left a clear passing lane for him to put it across for Brais Mendes. And the Real Sociedad break the deadlock, and you can hear the, you can feel the air come out of the stadium. And quite honestly, you can see people head for the exits because this is, the state of our fan base right now. Uh, the singing in the crowd, most of it was done by the traveling Basque supporters. And again, um, nobody was, was on their game in this match. Nobody from the board to the to the coach to the, the players to the fans. Nobody was on their game in this one. And everybody can share the blame. Mefica never looked like they were going to draw. The, never looked like they were going to pull level. Until, until... Until Tiago Veya comes in in the 69th minute. And Tiago Veya on goal point actually ends up with the highest uh, rated, the highest rating of the wide players in this game. Um, having come in uh, and only played 20 minutes, he had the only real opportunities came from his foot 
I think it's time for him to get more playing time, to be honest with you. It's time to let this kid play. He He's answered the call when called upon, and I think that it is it's definitely time to let him have a half hour, 45 minutes, and see what he can do. Uh, let's do it right now this Saturday against Casapia. Why not? Uh, let's see what Roger does, though. Uh, speaking of Roger, let's let's hear from him now. Uh, this is the post match. I, I know I'm skipping around a little bit, but uh, this this episode's running long enough, I think. Uh, let's let's go to to Roger. Let's get his take, and then I'll look at the goal point on the other side. Marisev uh, live for uh, Benfica TV. What are your thoughts on this match? Uh, yeah, I think congratulations to Real Sociedad. I think. They showed today that they are a top team in a in a top shape. So I think they uh, deserve the win. Um, they are, they were able to control the game and to dominate the game. Uh, they were better in all the important topics of, of football. They won most of the duels. They won almost all the second balls. They were able to be very compact against the ball, uh, very good gegen pressing. So a lot of things. Actually, we are also. In a, in a top shape, very good in, but uh, today um, we have to accept that we were not um, on the on the level we need uh, in Champions League to yeah to to play a better game uh, than we did uh, in our stadium. So of course it's a little bit uh, frustrating, but that's also part of football. Sometimes um, yeah you have to uh, deal also with these uh, situations. So that's now our um, our task. We have to improve. So obviously, we we need um, yeah a lot of players in individual-wise better shape. But we also need uh, again uh, our um, our best weapon, uh, the, the togetherness, the connection on the pitch, uh, especially tactical-wise. So that's what we what we um, haven't showed today on the on the um, um, yeah good level. Uh, Pretty self-explanatory there from the manager, and uh, I think he. Nothing surprising there from what he said. Law was made about his comments in the pregame uh, the, the day before the match when he made a sarcastic comment about uh, the only thing that matters is beating Porto. It's embarrassing that everyone is taking that literally. Like, like you couldn't hint the sarcasm in his voice. He was, in fact, mocking the very media that ask these stupid questions. Because guess what? In the, when we don't beat Porto, everyone complains that we we take that like it's just another match. And then when we beat Porto, and it's not just another match, where you get criticized for going back to it. And and it's it's I don't know how people have such such I don't know. It just uh, the man was clearly being sarcastic, being sarcastic, being ironic. Did people really thought he was being serious when he said that? Again, a manager who's got you know twenty years now top level management. He's been in the Bundesliga. He's been in the Eredivisie, and you're taking that as a serious comment. That's a worse reflection on the media and the fans than it is on Roger Schmidt. But here he said an important thing there, and unfortunately the the audio quality of that that press conference was not very good. Benfica uploaded it to their YouTube page, and the uh, the file they uploaded had static in it. It, it was not a good uh, again. Like I said, nobody was on their game in this match. Not even the the YouTube department, not even the communications department that posts the the post game press conference on YouTube. But 
Again, it needs no translation. You heard it there from him. And uh, let's take a look at the goal point then. Uh, we'll start with the visitors, okay, from Basque Country. We'll start with Real Sociedad, Alex Ramiro, Ramiro, excuse me. They're like Spanish names but spelled wrong <laughs> is what these Basque names look like to me. But Ramiro at uh, 6.2 in goal, he's a good goalkeeper. Uh, Hamari at the red, the right back, uh, Hamari Traore, 6.6. Zubl, Zubledia, 6.0. Uh, Lenormand, 5.4. Munoz, 5.7. Uh, Baranesha, 6.5. Merino was, was actually... Sociedad's man of the match with a 6.9. Zubimendi, 6.8. Brais Mendez with a goal. Only a 6.5 despite scoring. And Kubo on this on this stack gets only a 5.7. I thought he was freaking phenomenal. I don't know. Maybe I'm just maybe I'm just watching the quality and the touch and maybe overrating the performance a little bit. That that can happen sometimes. And that's why, again, I don't put so much stock in the eye test. Okay, there's an example for you right there. Uh, the or Orzabal, Oyarzabal, excuse me, uh, 5.8 and as the lone striker. Okay, for Benfica, oh, off the bench, Elustondo had a 4.9, Fernandez 5.3, and Zakarayan 4.7. For Benfica now, Benfica uh, get a 5.6 out of Trubin. Not really much more he could have done. Uh, Ba 6.4, a decent rating for him. Antonio Silva 6.0, Altamendi 5.6, Urasek 5.2, João Mario 4.7, Auschnitz 4.7. Again, Auschnitz, um, just too many different positions. He needs a reset. He needs to sit out a match, not because uh, of anything he's done, but to just focus and train and get extra reps in his normal position. João Neves 5.6. David Nersh, uh, disappointing 5.0. Musa 5.6. Rafa, disappointing 4.9. Off the bench, Artur Cabral, 4.8. Kokshu, 4.8. Kokshu was slotted in into a position. He was slotted in for Joel Mario and then played more in the... He played in the uh, du- double pivot. And he, uh, you know, it allowed... Uh, Auschnitz to go play in Joel Mario's position for a short moment until he was again moved into the back when um when Ba was subbed off in the 80th minute okay uh Shikinu came off and uh it's just a mess of players playing different positions and strange movement but sh- but anyhow uh Auschnitz played like three more positions again in this match and it's starting to show and I think he needs he needs uh, a reset that's all I call it a reset and I think he's a professional and he understands that and I think it would be beneficial in the long run and you can't lose sight of the long run when you're in a slump um Musa 5.6 like I said Rafa 5.4.9 that's right I'm on the substitutes Kokshu 4.8, like I said. Bernat, only a 4.5. He's got a little ways to go before he's back to to match fitness. I'm uh, I'm confident. He just needs minutes at this point, to be honest with you. that I pointed out also in the video that he's out of position here. That that comes with, with minutes. I think a lot of Bernat's uh, issues re- are resolved with minutes. Thiago Veo with 5.2, again, the highest rating of the wing players or the outside midfield players. Um 
looking at just some of the stats, Benfica had 10 shots, Sociedad 12. Benfica had three on goal, Sociedad only two on goal, so big difference is Sociedad scored on theirs. Uh, five corners apiece. Benfica with a lower pass efficiency, not something we're used to seeing, but again, unforced errors, bad passes were a big part of the problem for Benfica in this one. 78% again efficiency for Benfica, 87% for Real Sociedad. 55% vertical pass. That's really poor uh, for Benfica. 70% for Sociedad. Uh, defensive actions in the opponent's midfield. 19 for, for Sociedad. Only 6 for Benfica. Benfica committed only 5 fouls. Sociedad committed 15. I don't like... When Benfica plays poor, that's another thing you see a lot of time in the stat line is that they commit very few fouls. I think they check out mentally. I think mentally they switch off. And sometimes a foul can just keep keep you sharp. Um, sometimes when a player comes in, makes a quick tactical foul, brings the play down, kills kills that possession that that Sociedad, who just had way too much of sixty percent. But it felt like even more than that if you watch the match. Um, it just felt like Sociedad always had the ball. I think some fouls could have could have broken up some of that rhythm. Uh, just going down some of the other things that that Cole point points out. Uh, Jonevs, you know, was was at halftime rated five point nine. He was the top rated player for Benfica. But you look at some of the pass tendencies again. Very very few passes completed for Benfica. The highest tendency was seven. Three different pl- three different combinations combined seven times. Otamendi to Jurasek, uh, Ba to Antonio Silva, and Antonio Silva to Ba. Very, very low, whereas you look at Real Sociedad, Zuledia to Lenormand, the two center backs combined, it's 22 times. Uh, Lenormand to... Z- so the two center backs combined, I wouldn't say 22 times. They combined 41 uh, times. 22 times from Z- Zubledia to Lenormand and 19 times from Lenormand to Zubledia. Um all, a lot of the a lot of the ball was was played in the defensive uh, the defensive half of the field, but the man of the match, like we said, was Mikel Merino, and on his heat map, it's it's heated up, you know, uh, in down the left side in the attacking half. He was seven for seven on aerial duels. That's phenomenal. <laughs> he had two passes for shots, ten forward passes. He co- attempted four dribbles, completed three of them, four defensive actions in Befica's midfield, three steals, and he recovered possession ten times for Real Sociedad. I really don't want to talk much more about this match. You all saw it. You all have your, your views. I think I've made mine uh, known well enough. Again, some time has gone by. I'm ready to turn the page and look forward to the next match. And... Uh, well, the next match for Benfica comes quick. It's this Saturday, like we said, against Casa Pia. It's a 6 p.m. Portuguese time kickoff at the Stadio de Luz. And then from there, Benfica continue uh, next Tuesday with the League Cup match on the road at Aroca. So hopefully a chance to see some some different players get some minutes. But again, I don't. If I'm Roger Smith, with the way the team is playing, I don't. I don't uh, take this match lightly. Um, fans are not going to like it, but I think that Benfica should uh, field a fairly strong team. I'd say 75% of the starters should play. Because we need to find that form. The, the main reason is that form needs to be found, and you can't find that form sitting out. 
Um, then the following Saturday, Benfica travel to Shavj before Wednesday, November the 8th, traveling to Basque Country to take on Real Sociedad. And four days after that, it's the derby at the Luge against Sporting. From now until the Sporting match, Benfica can't wait. It can't. I don't think they can afford to really rotate too much. I think Roger needs to get back to what got him uh, where he was last season, and that's um, inverting those 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 uh, attacking three midfielders. Um, and if that means sacrificing David Neres or sacrificing his minutes, that's what it means. I mean, they have to get back to what they were doing. Uh, it doesn't mean that that has to be it, but if if that is the only way to to get this team back to what they were doing, I think he needs to get them back to what they were doing. Uh, okay. Um, I think he needs to stop listening to fans and stop listening to if he is doing that. I, I, I feel he's being influenced by the outside. That's why he's making sarcastic comments in the, in the presser. Uh, it's time to refocus. Time to get back to, to Roger Ball, to what we did last year. Time to getting the identity this team back to the identity they had. And uh, I don't think you pass up an opportunity to, to play well, uh, even if it is in the League Cup. Okay, there'll be other opportunities later down the road. There's a lot of season left, but going into the, these next uh, three league matches are crucial. We need nine points in these next three league matches, and we want to be top of the table after the Sporting match, especially with that home and, and the struggles we've had at home in big matches. Um, knowing we got to go away to Porto and away to Sporting in the second half of the season, it's imperative. It's absolutely imperative that Benfica win that match. And um, well, it, you know we're we're in a, a tough stretch here, but after that uh, Sporting game, there's another international break. So we talk about the micro cycles of the season. This is uh, this is time for a big push in this micro cycle. So that that's what I'm looking for. It doesn't mean it's what Roger's gonna do, but uh, if you want to see the table, I'll have it up on www.mrbefica.com. Uh, if it's not up. At the time you listen to this, it'll be up very shortly. Um, but that's going to do it for this one. Okay, uh, I'm tired. I think everyone's tired. I think everyone's ready to move on from this match and look forward to the next one. I'll be back Friday, um, sometime between Friday night and Saturday morning with Liga 3 English, and it's going to be a TASA edition. I'm going to talk about all the matches, well, all the results at least, of the round uh, last week in round three of the Portuguese Cup, and I'll discuss the, the draw for round four in the Portuguese Cup. But that's where we stand right now. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sticking with me through this long episode. Um, I expect to bring the bring the energy a little bit better in the next one. I'm, I'm ready for this team to turn things around. I'm ready for me to turn things around. I'm ready for the fans to turn things around. An away day is, I feel like, what this team needs, a real solid away day. Maybe that match at Shavj and at Oroca, those two matches could be those away days where the fans come and they they bring it and they they carry the team, they buoy the team. And I think that's really what the doctor ordered right now for this team. So, again, I'm listen, this is my club. I'm going to be there. Okay, I will be there to uh, to support this club through thick and thin, through hell and high water. I have supported this club through much worse. I don't understand the people. Uh, I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't understand the fan culture of some fans. Um, I understand criticizing. I don't understand the doomsday uh, belief. I don't understand the lack of reason, reasoning. I don't understand the lack of 
understanding in what's going in the fact that things take time and not two months. I do expect the victories in the league to continue at the bare minimum. And I expect this team to improve one match at a time. That's what I'm looking for right now. And that's how you get out of these slumps. And that's what I'd be telling these players if I were in that team room. And that's what I believe Roger Schmidt is telling these players. And I think this team is still with Roger Schmidt. I, I don't doubt that for a second. All right, you've heard me enough for tonight. Thanks for listening. Uh, hope you've enjoyed this. And uh, I'll be talking to you again very, very soon here on the Mr. Benfica podcast feed. I'm the Mr. Michael Gustinho signing out. I'll see you next time. Kehega Benfica. Forza Benfica. We are Benfica. E pluribus unum. And remember, always, if you love football, you love Benfica.